Hey everyone, this is Jordan from New St. Andrews College. I just want to invite you to join us for our upcoming Perspective Student Weekend, which is from April 13th to 16th. This is the same weekend as the Grace Agenda Conference, so if you're headed over to Moscow for that, you can register your visit also for the Perspective Student Weekend at nsa.edu. Two great events, graceagenda.com and your Perspective Student Weekend here at NSA. Hope to see you there and enjoy the podcast. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And I'm still plugging away at this cold. Does oh, yeah. my voice still, still sound doing, distorted to you? A little, a little snuffle off. I was gonna say, and my shad has the same thing as I have. And I said, "Does your head feel like a muddle puddle?" And he said, mm, "About fourteen of those." <laughs> <laughs> well, she's sitting here with. I'm her, opening up a cough drop. A bag of cough drops. Yep. I'm and sitting here hand sewing a protocol dress. Becca's a Proverbs lining. 31 woman. She's she's what? working. Yeah, I'm, I try. You Doing know. your handwork in the yeah. car. I Rachel has brought her bread before to the scene. This I time. have. I have. I'm done bringing that. my hand stitching the lining, well facing thing. Well, anyway, doesn't matter. So both of us thought after last time that we failed to say some things about raising boys. Well, we that just we thought of more things. Yeah, we thought later of things that I was like, I don't know, have I ever said this on the podcast before? Yeah, I thought of something. It's like, we might just need to keep talking about it. You go first what you thought of first. Oh, well, suddenly I just thought of a story that I was like, why did I not remember that in the moment that we were talking about it? Um, That when one of our boys was probably just two, maybe younger. He was little. He's probably two. And he got himself afeard of the vacuum. So it was like... <laughs> paranoia. <laughs> paranoia struck. <laughs> Lena, got, wanted, <laughs> Lena did a paranoia as a wee child about bathtub drains because we had gone, we had gone to the ocean and she had spent the whole time frantically trying to get the toys away from the water, which we didn't really notice was like some kind of, a, like she, it looks like planging on the beach, do you know what I mean? Like running with boogie boards and stuff, but then when we got home, it had blossomed into a full-fledged paranoia of goods being washed away in the water. So tell me, what, what'd you do with that one? And then I'll tell you about the vacuum. Oh, uh... As I recall, it involved a lot of coaching and that we, I remember, squatting beside the bathtub, holding her, being like, we're unplugging the bathtub with the toys in it. Like, and you're going to say, no biggie. It's okay. Like, it's okay. And we were like, you may not freak out about this because, you know, who wants to have a lifelong fear of bathtubs? Like, gotta help a kid out. Well... It's a lot of muscling through pulling the drain in the bathtub. You know that even though eventually she would overcome it, there's also something to just learning to be brave. Part of it is that you you might eventually overcome it, but you 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 might overcome that, but you might have a new fear that you don't know how to overcome other than outgrowing. And if you don't know how to take your regular fears and overcome them, then... 
you, your parents have not done right by you. <laughs> and the thing is, uh, so anyway, he was, he was stressed about the vacuum. And anytime I got the vacuum out, he would really cry. And I think that this had gone on for a while without Ben knowing that it was going on. Where I would, um, you know, I don't remember what I would do. Like hold him or, I, you know, something while I tried to vacuum. Anyway, one time it comes to Ben's attention that we're having a fear of a vacuum. <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. So then what happened? It's time for a daddy intervention. <laughs> daddy intervened. And he insisted upon a full confrontation of the vacuum, which had to be, it had to end with the vacuum got knocked down. Like you have to punch the vacuum until mm-hmm. it falls over. Panic, fear, stress out, cry. It was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it and it eventually was like, no, you are going to face up to this vacuum look until... What's, look what's look, coming yeah, my way. What's coming? What is it? Let's I think it's out. a slice We're of pizza. We're having a delivery. A slice of pizza for me! Oh, man. Look, it's it going to... Get your hot slice here! <laughs> <laughs> pair with your cough drop. That's what I was just thinking. My cherry <laughs> holes and a piece of pizza. I like that we just got a little guest appearance from Luke. That was good. Yeah. Um, was... No, but anyway, so it was like, no, you're going to you're gonna knock the vacuum down, and that's just what you're going to do. That's just going to be your so job. he had to knock the vacuum down. Eventually, he got there, and then the next day, Ben would be like, all right, you need to go in and knock the vacuum down, Don't and kill he, that it thing. would be like, ah, oh, no, daddy, and then know. it just every day it was like, now you're gonna go knock the vacuum down because that's your new skill. And it was so funny that my poor vacuum took a real beating during that time, but <laughs> and then once we were like over at mom and dad's, and I, I totally and it was like this. we're walking past He's just his little toddler, <laughs> little toddler walking past the laundry room, and there's the vacuum, and Ben's like, go knock it down. <laughs> <laughs> And so I remember it being bit, in a phase where he would like it looked like he was stomping on the vacuum's foot, <laughs> like he would just walk by and kind of stomp yeah. on it. Like he kind of got to where he took sort of a, he, he got brave. He enough. got a little bit of swagger, he got a little swagger. Like watch me, I'm gonna kick that thing. <laughs> anyway, it was like that was it was just one of those deals that it's like it was a little weird panic attack about the vacuum. And so it becomes a, a chance to be brave. So something I was going to say about this is that mothers are naturally very good at loving their children. Like, that's a thing. And is, aren't we glad Lucky. That, that God Lucky made that, that so that easy. Um, but often in mothering, your real need is to be a good leader. Like, right. like to lead your sons in the sense of saying like, no, this is what I want from you. This is what I want to see from you. This is how you're, you know, like, and, and, and having their respect in the sense that they want to follow your instruction, not because you're a man, but because you know what a good man is. And because of that, you're in a position to tell them how to be that. Yeah. And like another time, uh, when Knox was like, really like a baby like in the high chair sort of a baby and we discovered that he did not care to have peanut butter on his hands like or it really bothered him to have well anything sticky or dirty or whatever right. he would just sit there and hold his hands in the air and look at us with a pained expression like really you're gonna uh-huh. let me have peanut butter on my hands and so he would just hold them there until you came and wiped his hands off and then but it was starting to be like he didn't like to get his hands dirty so same thing Ben would just be like well 
we're going in the backyard and you're going to stick your hands in the mud. And you're like, ah! Taking a little trip like, out back. Nope, nope, because you're not going to turn into this person. Like, we're not going to foster a strange, a strange <laughs> little neurosis and let it turn into a weirdness in you. Like, you're just right. going to have to go put your hands in the mud. And luckily, he overcame that. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say about the leadership thing. That's like the knocking the vacuum down. Is like saying, listen, I'm here. You're going to win this. This yeah. is, you know, but I need to see this from you. Like, yeah. it is inspiring courage in yeah. your child. And if your kid is small enough to be scared, he's small enough to be brave or big enough to be brave, I guess. You know, like, there's always... If they have something that needs to be overcome, yeah, then you need to equip them to overcome it. Exactly. And you can teach them, like, in little baby versions... Like, they have baby version fears, and so you can teach them baby version bravery. Totally. totally. And so one other thing we do with our boys is that we say the, the fussy dragon. So, like, if one of the boys, little boys, not the big boys, if a okay. little boy strolls into the kitchen and says something fussy, <laughs> I will be like, did you hear the fussy dragon? <laughs> and they're like, because what? I did. I said, I heard him. And it's like, you need to kill that fuzzy dragon before it eats you up. Right. And we say, if you don't kill it, like... Then I'll have to help. We have... It goes on... <laughs> we do. We say, you kill it or I will. Yeah, Like, this exactly. is your chance. So, Moses is in a phase where he'll say he has to turn around and kill the fuzzy dragon with a sword. And then say something to me in an unfussy voice. Like, I need yeah. to hear that the fuzzy dragon has died. And yeah. we will tell them... If you don't kill it, that's mama's job. (laughs) So, like, you kill it, and then we'll all celebrate its death and move on. (laughs) Or I'll have to kill it in my other ways of killing fuzzy dragons. So that is helpful to them because I'll just say, you know how we know that it ate you up is that we can't hear you anymore. (laughs) We're just hearing the fuzzy dragon. Yeah. And it turns out kids are really good at controlling themselves and one of, and controlling their voice like they don't have to talk enough fuss they don't right. have to do that like right. you can do it yeah let's you know exactly and I've te- I think I've probably said this on the podcast before but with little kids make sure as a mother that you're not um, talking a baby talk to them such that weird fussy registers seem like what you expect yeah like I have a cold right now so this is probably difficult for me to I just mean instead of being like say please mama please mama but to say I want you to say please mom you know like in a like clear collected voice like we're not doing special voices that I need to roll a window down don't you think feel free be my guest my Uh car is your car so Um, one other thing that I thought of that I may have also said on the podcast before was about are rejoicing the Lord always lunches. I, you know, I don't remember, but I feel like no matter what it is, tell it again because. So, I have some of an age group that they're the fussing, discontentment can come upon us. You're kidding me. I know, hard to believe. Actually, I have all of us. In I was going to say, group, do you have humans? Yeah, I, I have some have humans some. at my home. Yeah. And the fussy discontentment can strike at any time. Yeah, I think the thing I mean, though, is that, that there is a uniquely, before they've really learned the ropes, there is a phase kind of negotiating more. Kind of like 
why don't we drive through McDonald's for lunch? So where our kids go for school is actually quite close to the McDonald's. Yeah. Which is not really an issue most of our life. McDonald's plays no part in it. But I Shad enjoys himself a sausage McMuffin. <laughs> and so every once in a while I'll get him one after school for lunch. Like, it's just he's the only one yeah. with me, you know. It's like, that'd be fun. And sure. he... But some days are just generally fussy days. Yeah. And not in the mood to work through it. Not in the mood <laughs> to do the stuff. And uh, it's always good when those days correspond with your days doing the same. Oh, I know, right? We all are <laughs> not in the mood for this. So... Anyways, it was it was some time when he was just not in the mood for it. And, and I was like, hey, bud. And he's like, oh, can we go to McDonald's? And I was like, no, we're not going to McDonald's. And he's like, ah, oh, I just wanted to eat McDonald's. And he was not throwing a temper tantrum or, like, there was nothing about it that was, like, um... It was just the floppy morale. It was just a morale. It was like entirely a morale issue of okay. of wanting to eat McDonald's and not buying into my other suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, and he does not like PBJs. So okay. he doesn't eat them. Um, you know, if he's only one home for lunch, it's not like I'm making him a PBJ. He has to sure. eat them periodically. But anyways, I'm, he's, he wants a, a sausage thing and I say no and he's like oh just that just is all that sounds good that's all I want and I said well we're gonna go home and I think I said you can have some ham and crackers and cheese or I could slice you an orange or I was giving him like ideas and we all know the mood and you know what he's don't talk to me about ideas I hate your ideas although (laughs) he didn't say that he just was like nothing sounds good you know and you're like oh I think I have some leftover you know I was like no don't want it. It's like looking out of the car window on a rainy day with a dark mood upon you. <laughs> and this is the time when I know my job as a mother is to take no prisoners. <laughs> We're going to win at this, right? So so I just am like, okay, new regime is in town. This is on our way home. I was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go have a rejoice in the Lord always lunch. We're going to sing Rejoice in the Lord Always oh, right that'll, now. That'll flush out an attitude. Oh, it's like, we're going to sing it. Than... We're singing it up. Shad, me, and Moses. We are, this is our story. This is our song. And I'm like, when you we know, get home. Have we spoken of this before, though? There are certain songs that if you're in a good mood, it's fine. If you're in a bad mood, it causes you to fall into deep evil. <laughs> and Rejoice in the Lord Always is one of those songs. It's like the litmus test. Is someone in sin? Sing Rejoice in the Lord Always and see if they go up in a fireball. Yeah. Do you <laughs> clap or do you not? Clap or glower. Cheer up, ye saints of yeah, God. Yeah, well, that's a big one. So anyways, I'm like, we're having a Rejoice in the Lord Always lunch. And I was like, here's how it's going to go. You're having a PBJ, which is what he does not like. So I was like, since we have repudiated other <laughs> options that you do like, it's clear that what we need is to take a hot minute and be thankful. <laughs> and uh, so we, I gave him the rundown. I'm like, I'm making you a PBJ. We're cutting it into nine pieces. I'm giving you a piece of paper with nine squares in it. In every bite that you eat with rejoicing in the Lord, you put a star in the box. And there will be nine stars. 
that that's how it's like just spoiler alert just spoiler there's going to be nine of them there will be nine you're going to do it you're going to sing rejoice in the lord always at any moment when i tell you to yeah that's how it's going yeah but this is the thing here's what happens total sweet relief like before we even got there he was feeling better like and then we get there and he whizzes through that pbj in no time flat and then is a complete joy to be around the rest of the day like i feel like we could modify this into like your wardrobe like you're you're like you're gonna put on those pants no i mean for the moms I know. You're going to sing Rejoice in the Lord always. You're going to have a a little star that you're going to put on And you're going to be like, I nailed that. I put on that outfit and I rejoiced. And and therefore, I did what I was supposed to. Did I see my muffin top? And yet I thanked the Lord. Oh, did I ever. So, (laughs) anyways, but my point is, is that sometimes it's just a general malady actually needs to be met with a little more proactive (laughs) confrontation. Because you don't want to be spending all your time being like, trying to pacify and find a way or give in or or like i'm so sorry you're having a hard day i'm not you shouldn't be you know but then there's other times when you just have to realize that actually what's the story that uncle gordon always told about grandma um oh yeah he was having some kind of a he had a horrible bad day like that actually involved him like in the snow in a ditch <laughs> or a puddle or something. Yeah. And then he got home and she put him in the bathtub and brought in a, like a bowl of Cheerios and floated it in the tub. There's oh. like times when it's just that. It's like just but I give do that. the kid a fun little thing and other times it's like nope. This is boot camp I think it's now. It's just all about balance yep. because if you didn't ever have the boot camp moments, then the bullet Cheerios in the bath would never be fun. No, no, they wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like you'd be the skunk of the tub, <laughs> being like, "Why'd you do this? It's making the milk hot." <laughs> <laughs> you would be the skunk in the tub, and the thing is, I think that that's the key is is seeing where. You need to actually address a little tude that's happening. Right. Like, there's different ways of... Um, there's there's just different times and different things that are needed. Into every season of purpose. Turn, turn. Yeah. Definitely <sighs> do that. I'm just going to speak a moment of my frustration here that my hand sewing is coming up with a pucker. And well, I, I can't... Talk about it while I have to grab a it. wet wipe out what of my car doing? to blow my nose oh so my that word. I don't snore. guys... Well, guys, I got my nose good and blowed, and we've that been, was three days ago. It's just been a little longer than <laughs> one trip to the car for a wet wipe. That what I said I would do. I, well, I did come back. We she just didn't back. do a good job after that. No, we kind of dwindled off. It was until like, we were so sick of it that we that we just we were like whatever. Yeah. Rachel got out of the car. Three days passed. We're, we're a little, back. We're a little bit fresher. We're back maybe. in the car and. uh Rachel's cold is less aggressive. Well, I didn't bring cough drops this time, but I'll leave it up to you to wonder if that's because I ran out of cough drops (laughs) or if it's because I don't need them anymore. No. I finished the dress I was sewing. My daughter's wearing it right now. She's off at her event. It turned out super cute. So anyway, we're back in the car again. So something that we did think we needed to touch on in the last half of this one is talking a little bit about daughters. I said about sons a while ago that... Yeah, you need to, to show leadership to your son, not because you are a good man, but because you know what a good man is. Like, and yeah. you know, and you tell them, and you communicate that. But with daughters, it's different because 
Lord willing, you are a good woman. Yeah. Like, Lord willing, you're giving them the inside track on mm-hmm. what it means to be a faithful woman who is doing her faithful woman duties. Right. Not, um, and applying scripture personally first and then to your daughters and, and explaining to them how that trickles down in your own life and what right. it feels like and how and you manage you can, it. You can teach your son to be tough in a masculine way without having to be tough in a masculine way yourself. Uh-huh. But with your daughters, you have to model it too. Because if yeah. you want them to have feminine strength, you'd better show them and what it looks and like. And it's far more common when I'm having a, when there's a serious issue that we're dealing with, or serious discussion, whatever. It's far more common with the girls than with the boys for me to be essentially opening some cupboard doors and saying, let me explain to you how this goes in your life. Like, this is how you, you know, like with a, with a son, it's different. You're pointing to daddy. You're like, look at your dad. Look at these men. This is how we do it. Look at this, you know, like, look at this, look at this, look at this man do like this with your daughters. You're saying a lot more of this is how I do it. This is how right. I take God's word and this is how I apply it to my life. Yeah. And this is why I do this thing or this is why I, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's a little bit different, but it, but your qualifications are more important because you're you're talking directly about something you do know. Yeah. Right? It's a different, it's a more of an opportunity for hypocrisy. <laughs> Obviously. True. Obviously more of a one. So... One thing that we, I think, we're well established in the fact that we really want our daughters to be well educated. I hope we're well established. There. I just think we should throw this out there again that we're very serious about our daughters being educated and educated, uh, equally educated yeah. to our sons. We don't yeah. have any kind of um, don't worry about it. You're yeah. just a girl. Can and I just have a parenthetical? All we need out of you is tater tot casseroles. <laughs> the thing that drives me nuts about that particular approach, and I may have said it before on the podcast because I've said it a lot of times in life, but the thing that drives me nuts about that approach is you have such a low view of a woman's calling if you think that, oh, well, it doesn't require any brains to be a mom or a wife yeah. or a there's housekeeper. Nothing, there's nothing that might be, you know... No. Challenging. No. Why would you ever need that? Why would it be a challenge? Um, All it is is putting Tupperware in the right drawer. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that's like, you couldn't find a feminist be more brutal about the the homemaker than many conservatives are about the same role because they just think, yeah, it's it, takes, it takes nothing. It takes no skills. Yeah, you don't need preparation. Out, why would you need to do more than read a basic recipe? Yeah. You don't even need to double it because no. you're probably fractions. not that important. You can't, you can't do fractions. Yeah. Yeah. Never double a two thirds recipe. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of doubling, just, this is a, by the wayside, Daphne asked for, um, a cake I make in the, the summer citrus cake that I make for her birthday. Okay. And I, knowing how it goes for Sabbath birthdays, doubled the recipe because I always double it. But I inadvertently quadrupled it because I didn't remember that I printed it out doubled. Oh. So I doubled the doubled. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So for the first half, I was thinking, my, that does seem like a lot of eggs. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> eight, eight, uh, 16 eggs. And I was thinking, Whew. eight eggs 
like how, that seems like it's an eggier cake than I recall <laughs> it being, but it's been a little while. And and the other ingredients didn't send up any major flares for me because it was butter and it seemed like about the right amount of butter. But but I realized there's also oil in the cake, so sure. whatever. Whatever the case I made, it was when I got to the step of eight cups of sugar that I was like, like, what though? Surely not. (laughs) What kind of a cake is this? (laughs) And then I realized I quadrupled. Mm, Accidentally quadrupled. Ideal. Yeah, totally aside. What I'm saying is my fine education did not spare me that. (laughs) I doubled it on up. So, yeah, yeah. but the but the point is is that uh, we do believe our daughters should be well educated, and we and we believe that they should be well educated, uh, not because we think that they should be doing educational things instead of domestic things, but because we believe their education is us being faithful to God's commandments of how we're to raise them up, yeah. and how they obey God, equipped like that is their obedience, right? right? Like our obedience is we don't we don't get to slack off on what God said of raising them up in the right. nurture and admonition of the Lord and nurture, all of this. And, and he doesn't say love the God love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind if you're a boy. Yeah, no. And and your mind like love his creation, love that he gave you brains, love all of these things, but it's p- the parents obedience with their children is providing an a the best education that you possibly can. It is the children's obedience, how they serve God with that. Right. So we don't decide because we want our daughters to be domestic because we, because we do hope Lord willing that our daughters will be wives and mothers. And we hope the Lord provides that for them. And so we're not, we're not educating them in case that doesn't pan out. No. We're educating them because this is our part of contributing to that obedience in, in their life. So, and, and, but God doesn't say, uh, anticipate what, what position your daughter might end up being in and then shoot for the lowest common denominator, like shoot for the least qualified you can make her for that position. (laughs) So, so I, we see all that just by way of Qualification. Qualification, because what I do want to say is that while we've totally believed that, we also believe that scripture is very clear and, and in some ways impossibly clear about women's role being domestic, loving their homes and their husbands and the children mm-hmm. and, and loving, taking care of people. You know, like being in that domestic role is what the Bible spells out for, yeah. for and, women. And, it spells it out in a way that is also not totally wooden and legalistic. No. And the fact that Deborah, yep, sure enough, she's in the Old Testament, shows you that it's not some kind of strange legalistic doctrine, but it is the overwhelming tone of the scriptures, which is not to say there's not random, strange circumstances now and then. Totally. But the point is, is it's not enough to point to Deborah and then have that negate all the rest of what like, the scripture says. Oh, so therefore, says. when it when it goes on about like, and especially the whole thing about older women are to be teaching the younger women. It's like it's like even t- it even touches on how this knowledge is to be passed but on. Also, I like that because it shows you that this is something that actually requires learning, wisdom, practice, instruction. Something I wrote a paper on way back in college is the is the part about the widows when the when the church should put the widows on the roll yeah. that the qualification for women going into essentially 
church ministry as a widow, like being yeah. on the role of the church and working for the church. The qualification was that they would have loved a husband and raised children and been hospitable. Yeah. Like that their qualifications for ministry was the qualification of, of doing these really domestic yeah. tasks. Yeah. And that now they're, they need to serve the church in a different way. And, but the thing is, the thing that's noticeable about that is those are essential essential roles that have to be filled and nobody can do those except a woman. Yeah. There, I mean, and, and what you were saying, which I thought was, it was just great is that we don't know. We don't know where all of our daughters will end up. We don't know if some of them will end up unmarried or if they'll yeah. whatever, but that that has nothing to do with what we try to do now. Like no. we don't, we don't try to hedge against no. them. And, and, uh, their education equips them for whatever God calls them to. Hopefully that makes them versatile, clear thinking, creative, problem solving. Interesting. Interesting. Interested. Um, and, and that's going to be the kind of thing that they can take with them into whatever phase of life they right. go into. But being domestic, this is something that kind of bothers me. People act like being domestic is weirdly sort of like no other thing in the universe where if you like, let's say that you wanted your daughter to become an engineer, you would never take the approach of, so what we think we're going to do is we'll just wait and see if she becomes an engineer. And if she does, then she can learn how to do it or better yet. (laughs) We're hoping she's going to be an engineer, but unless that, you know, Unless that materializes out of thin air, we're going to be training her to be a swim coach. <laughs> exactly. Because you're probably not doing nothing. You're probably yeah. actively pursuing but it's something. Like, but if you want your daughter to be domestic, accomplished, and and God willing, a wife and a mother someday, then why would you treat that as something that's like, well, eventually, in the if, worst case scenario, happens, we'll pull something out of the she'll hat. She'll figure it out. We'll do something speedy style to she try can, to, you yeah, know, fill in the gaps. Subscribe to Martha Stewart when that happens. Oh my heavens. So it's just sort of like, if it, you, it actually takes a whole life of, and, and I, I know I've joked about it. And actually my neighbor, Kathleen said, you've threatened to write your craft book. And she found in an old, oh, I can't remember the title now, but it was in an old knitting magazine. She found a, a book that was being advertised that was very much the craft book that I've threatened to write. <laughs> the spiritual journey among that's, the crafts. That's fine. But but part of this, and I, I know this is this is funny, but this is a little thing. I didn't get serious about working on knitting or whatever until much later in life, and there were a lot of ridiculous little life lessons that you learn along oh, yeah. the way. And yeah, of course you could but learn you them can in do other that places. Anywhere, yeah. But when I got into it. You, you're like, well, there's a lot of spiritual growth that can happen in this arena, which is yeah. funny, but it can. But what's even funnier to me is that having my daughter at a much younger age learning those same yeah. things. And some of them are not. It's not big, major truths, but it is things about learning how to deal with your own insufficiencies and things. Oh, yeah. Like, you have to face head-on taking on a big project and losing steam part way into it. Oh, yeah. Like you have to look at these things. But and- this is just because God helpfully crafted all of life to be sanctifying. But right. But part of the thing I was going to say is simply that I know she is more equipped for not just 
knitting. She's more equipped for a lot of things in life because she had to work through some of those lessons earlier than me because because sure. she was interested. The thing in is, I I do think it's worth noting that. So my girls, I've got three girls in high school right now, and right now their calling, their vocation, their primary vocation is as a student. That's what God has put in front of them. That's their duties. That's what God has called them to. And so, yes, of course, I want them to be domestic, and they're learning lots of things, and I rope them into stuff. But I do think that if you learn how to do the thing God put in front of you and do it faithfully, then when God puts another thing in front of you, you will approach that faithfully as well. So I want them to be diligent students now because I want them to be diligent wives later or diligent mothers later. Totally. And it's learning. It's like you say, learning stuff in, in like knitting. Well, it's also learning stuff in your studies and in duties and and in hammering out the assignment and learning to do it when your partner didn't pull their weight and you know, just all, Mm -hmm. all those little skills. But, but like, so it's not like we train them to be domestic at the expense of their education. Cause I do think that learning to learning to follow, um, you know, follow your duties and, and do them well is right. I just think a the transferable balance, skill, depending on what world you're in, the balance, it needs to be differently weighted because if you were in the world where, where everyone is overwhelmingly like I'm, you know, 13, but I have a notebook of my, greatest family quick dinners that I'm working on (laughs) day in and day out. And, and when I have a spare chance, I, you know, study up on toddler rashes or something. (laughs) If if that's the world that you're in, then yeah, we need to like weight this differently about like, let's be faithful in the here and the now. Like you're, you're actually not a 40 year old mother of six right now. So why don't we go ahead and act more like a diligent 13 year old? But on the other hand, if you're in the kind of world where young girls are not even considering Right. The fact that they may be wives and mothers yeah. someday. They're just pursuing. They're only like, well, what's cool? medicine. Yeah. They're like, well, what's <laughs> cool? Like should totally pursue that or I'm going to do this and, and not thinking. And it really depends on what and world I think you're in, I, how you need to like come in and be like, think about Girls this. are faced with a unique trouble on this because, um, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, leaving college and having a job and everything. But your fundamental uh, relationship to a job is very different as a woman than it will be as a man. And so mm-hmm. this is why, of course, you know, if somebody Cause asks... Because your actual calling is a person. It's... Yes. So if you are to get married... You're, you're called calling, to be a helpmeet. Your calling is your husband's calling now. Like you Yeah, are, you're you are ambiguously... Yeah. You're ambiguously out there before that. Yeah. Like, and it's not like your calling is a realtor and his calling is a vet and you just happen to share the same address. Uh-huh. Like that's not how God made the world. And oh. so there's nothing wrong with a girl having a job, but it does make the questions complicated. No, and, and it, is a, it is an annoying position to be in. Like I was not, I was not older. I was not really, I don't even remember how old I was. I think that I was 22 or 23 when we got married. Okay. I like that I don't know the answer to that. That's funny. I think I was 
22. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. I had been out of college a little bit and it was, it felt like a long time because it was the time period in which like I was kind of done with the college scene. Yeah. And people are I had, all like, kind asking of, And you. everyone's like, what are you doing? And I had plenty to do and I had things that I loved, but I was tired of being there. Yeah. Like I was like, this is, I'm bored. Yeah. With this. And I, it is a time of surprising uncertainty. Like you're, you're like, well, I don't know. There might not be a guy that I would be willing to marry. Yeah. Right. Like that's an issue. But I did feel like I was probably called to be a wife and a mother. Right. right. So I wasn't experiencing some tremendous calling apart from being a wife and a mother, but I was busy and, and doing stuff and working hard and, and, there was plenty. God gave me lots and plenty to be doing. You know, like it was a productive time in my life. But at the same time, I remember a sense of like, I just need to know who the heck I am anyways. Like, because, mm-hmm. because you do know, and, and now in retrospect, I can say that, that I knew that I was called to be a wife and a mother, but you don't know at the time that you're called in the future to be that you just feel that you are called to that. Right. Like, so you're like, well, fat, lot of good. My feeling called to that is I mean, like, what is that going to do for anything? Um, but it is not the same thing as saying you want to raise daughters who have no opinions or easily shaped by, like that's not what it is. No. It's it is a woman who has strong opinions about the word of God, about the str- like like you're not raising girls to just be conformable to whatever. You're raising them to have you want them to have high standards to believe that their calling will be their husband's calling. Yep. It will be their husband. It will be raising those children. And that's not a weak position. No. and That's a strong conviction that you have to have. And it's knowing that when the right guy comes along, that he will interrupt your life. and In all the ways. And your job is to set that aside. Set aside your things. If you felt like your dream was to go off and become a ballet dancer on an international circuit... And the right man comes along, you have to and say. And he says, actually, "Actually, I'm a sheep rancher." Yeah, and you. I don't travel. Say, right? <laughs> You'd be like, "Wow, then this gets set aside." Lord, yeah. look at what you gave me to yeah. put on this altar. Like, look at what you gave yeah. me to give up. And of course, general generalizing here, but that's not what God has called husbands to do: is set aside no. your your calling and your profession so that your wife no. can fulfill no. hers. No. And <laughs> and the only time that I would think of, I mean, there that's just a generally speaking, because of course you could come up with situations yeah. that would yeah. be different than that. But it is not a husband's job to be a help me to no. his wife. To follow his wife around no. the country while she No, gets... while she pursues her stuff. <laughs> while no. she's like, I have a plan and I'm going to be an amazing woman. And he's like, right you are, chief. I'll do whatever <laughs> you say. And and that's just, just not acceptable. It's not how it should go. And so I think um, there's nothing wrong with a girl having aspirations and, you know, getting qualified for things and doing things. But those are going to get set aside if the right man comes along and possibly just temporarily, possibly forever. Uh-huh. But, you know, you don't know, but the thing is you have to, you have to have a fundamentally different, um, relationship to a career than your husband does. And 
so it's important as you're training your girls, as you're educating your girls, as you want them to be strong, you want them to be smart, you want them to be uh, creative and high achieving mm-hmm. and all of those things. But you also want to teach them that that's all because it's going to equip you more to be the right wife to the right man. I think that this is kind of, I, I feel like, a, well, you know when people will be like, oh, she's just had babies or something. You know, like, oh, she's just doing that. You know, people kind she's of demeaning. She's just a mom. She's just a mom. And you're like, that's a pretty funny superpower to go dissing like that. Like, yeah. she's just someone who actually <laughs> was able to bring a new life into the world or just did, you know, and yeah. you're like, yeah, just because a lot of women have it doesn't make it less amazing. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make it less remarkable. And in this, in the same way, the ability for a woman to be strongly convicted of some things that she would never let go of and open-handedly enjoying many other things. Do you know what I mean? Like being willing to let go of things, but to be busy with enjoying it, doing it, you know, whatever something, this is kind of a random thing. I was going to, Oh, sorry. No, I didn't finish that thought. Uh, raising daughters who are that way is not raising daughters who are weak. It is raising daughters who have unique feminine strength, like the strength of being like, Oh, did I move into a weird apartment in Minnesota now? Because my husband got a job here. Well, now I'm going to make this the most homey, delightful place to be in Minnesota. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And like, but then loving another place when they are called there and investing themselves in that place. And I think that that's, that's not weakness to be flexible. It's an incredible strength to be doing that. And, and when we minimize that, like, like, oh, that's just a pitiful little thing that she's doing because she can't do anything else. Right. You think it's not. It's like saying it's a pitiful little thing that she had a baby when it's like, well, that was actually a pretty big thing. Well, and I think that uh, the world is so scathing about the biblical role of wife and mother. You have to teach your daughters how to think about it, how to think about it intellectually, how to respond to it emotionally, and how to prepare themselves to be really, really countercultural because this is the kind of thing that you cannot just assume your daughters will be able to step into it easily with no, with no issue because no baggage from our world. It is, this is like swimming upstream in a really fast moving river and you Mm -hmm. can't just toss your daughter in and assume it'll be fine. I mean, it's like you have Mm -hmm. to actually put in a lot of focused, um, and thoughtful work. And you have to know what you think about it yourself, right? You have to be the kind of woman who is doing this, the kind of woman who can articulate it to your daughters and who can equip them to be that kind of a woman who's going to stand against a major cultural flood right now and get cool shamed the entire time. (laughs) Luckily, cool shamed by the most unhappy people on the planet. So it's hard sometimes to take them seriously, but nonetheless... No, I think the most effective cool shaming comes from the... Within? The, no, from the fictional ones. Oh, TV. Yeah. And, and, and where they're like, because, well, see, she's so cute and yeah. happy. And that's that's because the, the she's not actually ones, living that yeah. life. The fictional you know? ones can be happy because they're made up. And they can overcome in yeah. sweet, cheerful ways. Yeah. yeah. But we and, should... Are we needing to wrap it yeah, up? Yeah, we could keep on sailing on well, this. Well, I think one we'll come while, back but... to. I think we'll come back to girls next time. We kind of let the boys spill over into more than one episode, yeah. so yeah. I think we'll come back on the girls we next should. time. We should come back on the girls. But until then, I'm going to go in and 
feed the troops. I think that sounds like a sound it sounds idea. like something. It sounds like my job, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It, it sounds, sounds like the what I have. Like that sort of like that thing we do in the evenings. <laughs> yes. All right. Until next time. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. I'm a 2009 graduate of New St. Andrews College, and I'm a commercial property manager. Three kids at Logos, one at home still, and I do flowers on the side out of our house. When you have these little people that you're responsible to shepherd, you realize, I need to know what I'm talking about because they need to have a firm foundation and they need deep roots so that they don't get blown over and that they're ready to stand up for the truth. I am a programmer. The language aspect of NSA is a fantastic preparation for any sort of programming. I'm a real estate broker here in town. I think absolutely the perfect um, education for being in sales of, of really any kind. I actually put it to a lot of great use when I was working in the political realm. I am a pastor in Central Coast, California. Whatever vocation you take, it'll make you take that seriously because you're seeing it through the lens of the sovereignty and lordship of Christ. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu.